Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Well, on Farmer Fridays, we take your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us emails. You can send us pictures, soil tests, tissue tests, getting a lot of the tissue tests starting to show up, and also pictures from the field, whether it's hey, what's this weed, or what do you think of my crop, or how are we doing after some stressful event like hail? We'd be happy to take a look at those pictures too, radio at agphd.com again. Also, if you want to just talk about how things are going on your farm, uh, good or bad, hopefully good, but either way is fine. Again, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. So Brian, I've resorted to crop scouting in the mornings only because I don't see rolled up corn leaves at that point. I don't really want to go out in the mid-afternoons. Uh, I kind of know what I'm going to see out there, and I prefer to stay on the positive side. I'll I'll try and be optimistic as long as I can. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's rough when you look at stuff in the afternoon. We're in the severe drought area, so I'm going to apologize to you right now if you're a regular listener, and you are in a good area <laughs> because... You probably don't want to hear us talk about drought a whole lot, so we won't spend much time on it. But I will say we can see a lot of management differences show up more when we have drier conditions. So I was talking to some agronomists this morning who said they can really see farmers who have applied a lot of potassium over the last few years versus those who haven't. When you get drier weather, potassium is one of the first major deficiencies that often shows up in corn. Uh, sometimes in soybeans as well, but especially in corn because there's a massive need for potassium relatively early in the growing season. Think about it like right now on our farm, for example, a lot of our corn is waist high. It's in that phase where when it goes from knee high to over your shoulder in like three weeks. Well, think of the amount of potassium that goes into building a good stock and roots and everything else. But I mean, you think about how much K has to go into the plant. How does potassium get into the plant? Well, it gets in with water. So if you're lacking in water, then you're going to be lacking in potassium unless you have what we would, what many people might call an overabundance. So this is why we talk so much on the show about the base saturation levels. And if you can bump up the ratio of potassium, a lot of times you can get more K into the plant even when it is dry. The other thing is tomorrow here right on our farm, we're going to host this big event for, we're calling it the Young Farmers Field Day. So our regular Ag PhD Field Day is still coming up in a month. That's Thursday, July 29th. Okay. But we wanted to have a special field day in advance of that, mainly because we didn't get to do a collegiate agronomy workshop last winter due to COVID. So we decided, you know, Let's at least now. Granted, anybody can attend this Young Farmers Field Day. I don't. I mean, in my book, you're still young at age 80 if you still love to farm and you still feel young at heart. I don't care. Uh, come to our Young Farmers Field Day. We're going to talk about a lot of different things out in the field. Well, one of the stations we're going to bring people to is a root pit, and when we talk about root pits. It is just so eye-opening when you can see what's going on down below the soil. And in terms of this whole potassium thing, here's here's my point and where, where I'm going with this. What we're going to show in that root pit 
is there are some roots that are getting way deep down in the ground. And right away, as farmers, we all say, yay, this is great, because now we can tap into some of this moisture that's down deep in our ground. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that. But the problem is, if we don't have any moisture where our fertility is, sure, we can get water in, but does that make our plant super happy if that's all we bring in? Just like if it was you or me, and today all we get to eat is water, <laughs> and same thing tomorrow, and same thing the next day, pretty soon we're not going to be real happy, right? We've got to get some fertility into that plant. So this is also why we start talking about, you know what, at least take some of your fertility and place it deeper down in the ground. So if you do happen to have a dry year, if you're in dryland farming like we are, in an, especially in an area of the country like we are, where we get a drought like this once every 10 years or so, um, you know what? We want to have some fertility down there to go along with the water that we've got down there. Now we're in better shape. Now we've, in effect, I'm not saying totally drought-proofed our crop, but it has made it a difference. It really helps. No right. doubt about that. Yep, for sure. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, uh, get a question from Tom. He said, you guys talk about soybeans a lot. I'm wondering what you think of the new Enlist E3 trait. Have you seen decent yields and decent performance from those beans? Well, Tom, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have. We have seen good performance. We've also seen good performance out of Extend. We've seen good performance out of Extend Flex. I would say this on soybeans, Brian. Placement is really important. If you've got a bean that, for for example, doesn't have a phytophthora gene and really can't handle wet feet, put it in well-drained ground, and it does well. But put it in poorly drained, soggy ground, and guess what? No surprise, it doesn't work. So I would say this. There are, there are not that many complete beans, I would say, in any of the traits that I would say just plant it anywhere. So when your seedsman says, eh, you probably want to put this on your high ground or, hey, this will work good in your low ground, I would listen to him. And yeah, or enlist just as good as anything else. I think so. I think they yield well too. Yeah. I was talking to an agronomist yesterday who goes, yeah, I think I'm going to have a lot of my guys plant Extend Flex next year. And I go, well, why is that? And he goes, well, because some of my guys got really nailed with dicamba because he said a lot of the farmers in my area are spraying dicamba on corn. He said, it's not even dicamba on the beans. They're just spraying dicamba on corn. I said, oh, so you don't even want to spray dicamba on the beans? He said, no, I'm not. I don't care about that. I'd like to spray the Liberty. But he said, I'm just doing it as defense because I'm in a heavy corn area and everybody's spraying dicamba around me. And then I don't have to look at cupped beans, nor do my farmers. And I thought, okay, well, whatever. I don't care. There are good beans. I don't care if we're talking enlist, extend, extend flex. LLGT27, there are good ones, but to Darren's point, you got to pick the right bean with the right defensive traits for your soil, not just look at the biotech trait. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. 
Mycoapply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about Mycoapply Indoprime SC at indoprimecorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles, the ideal nozzle for dicamba and 2,4-D applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. Taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-442-4743. That's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Wisconsin. Got Warren on with us. Warren, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. Are we going to see you next month at the field day? You sure are. Awesome. Awesome. I think you had a pretty good streak going there, quite a few years, and then the darn COVID thing had to ruin it. Yeah, we were 10 years in a row coming out there, so you learn something new every time you come out there, so I love going out there, and I'm hoping you guys get some rain here. I've been watching you on my phone, and uh, hopefully this weekend's going to be productive for you in the rain department. Oh, that would be awesome. Well, yes, but you know, Warren, this is one of the things (laughs) we talk about. Look at Brad. Brad, Here here it is, Warren. Brad's like, ah, we're we're still okay. We can make it a little longer. Well, it's not necessarily that. that. It's just sometimes we always think, oh, this is the best for us, but you never know. I mean, maybe us being dry for a while is actually a good thing. We're able to get into some ground we maybe weren't able to get into before, get some tiling done we couldn't before, and who knows? I mean, in the long run, it might work out best price-wise. and I, So you just never know. But, yes, we're certainly hoping for rain. So what can we do for you today, Warren? Well, I have a question for you. So yep. I'm getting my tissue samples back. I usually start tissue sampling corn above B4. Yep. Um, and so I got my first few back, and I try to pull them from where I pull my soil test. Yep. And right. so the interesting part I've been having is I'm trying to address all my shortcomings on my soil samples. And the corn in some of my lower ground in my more peak soil, um, I'm in a little more trouble. It looked didn't have quite the right color to it, I should say. And we've been very dry here, too. Very yep. little rain this year so mm-hmm. far. But um, down there, it's usually not a big issue. But um, the interesting part is, my calcium is coming back low. My magnesium is coming back low, and my irons are coming back low. Everything else is perfectly fine, but on my base saturation, my on those same areas, my calcium is seventy-four to seventy-five. My magnesium is seventeen, eighteen, um, and my iron actually shows very high on there. So at about one hundred and sixty parts per million. So is it because my micronutrients are higher? I'm getting more antagonisms 
between those and the calcium or I'm just Mulder's chart is always kind of hard for me to follow. So I apologize. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So let me ask you this. Did you apply a bunch of micronutrients, P, K, that kind of thing? Cause you, you talked about, Hey, I'm trying to fix some of the things I'm short on. So in those areas, had you just applied, uh, let's say a really big rate, a kind of big rate, a normal rate, what did you do? So on the potassium down there, I've been having a really hard time getting my base saturation up for so yep. for the last five years, yep. I've been putting five to six hundred pounds of potassium or potash down, you know, so yep. about three hundred pounds of actual. And I moved mm -hmm. it, you know, so that I'm up to a three now. I used to be a one. It's yep. taken forever to try to move it in that soil, but yep. I haven't putting a lot more um, potassium down. Okay. Down, sorry. Okay. So normally when K goes up, magnesium goes down. Uh, so we do okay. see that sometimes in the tissue test. What we care about too, and I, I say this from time to time here, we look at soil tests and we look at tissue tests and usually that leads us to thinking, okay, we're good or we're not good or whatever. Sometimes it can be a little bit misleading. So maybe the magnesium needed to be just a little bit lower. Keep in mind that when soil tests, or I should say tissue tests are sent in and then you get results back, labs will judge your results based on the average of what has been sent in in the past. So, you know, when you stop and think about it for a second, if there are a lot of people fighting the same issues you are of, oh, I got high magnesium, I got low potassium, well, pretty soon that kind of becomes the average. So I'm just saying, I don't know that I would panic too much about my magnesium being just a little bit on the low side. Uh, the calcium, you know, sometimes that can be um, well, let's put it this way for all of these things that you mentioned, calcium, magnesium, and iron, they're all affected by soil moisture. So that could be part of the reason why things are a little bit lower, but the other big part is just what you, what else you've put on. And sometimes we just have changed ratios a little bit. So it's not that the plant doesn't have nutrients in there. doesn't have your calcium, magnesium, iron. It's just, maybe it looks a little low in comparison to what it's been in the past. So I don't know that I would panic too much. Uh, but I mean, one of the things that we do see all the time is when we get a good rain, the very next tissue test we pull, the, all the levels go up. So that, okay. that's kind of what yeah, we're rain. hoping for at this point. Yeah, we got a little rain last weekend, so I'm kind of curious to see what the samples I pulled Sunday night are going to look like when I get them back. How much you, rain? You might have to ask you. Uh, we ended up, we got about an inch and four tenths over oh, three good. days, so it was awesome. much needed. So, Well, <laughs> and the reason why I ask is because if you don't get enough rain to get clear down and soak that root zone, then the tissue levels don't go up that much. So like us, for example, we got three or four tenths. That's not enough to change anything. That's all I was saying. So anyway, you had another question for us? Okay. Yeah, just a real quick one. So we sure. got kind of hit by the frost that happened over Memorial Day weekend. Yep. And in, in that low ground, I'm curious how this is going to affect final yield. So it was very weird. So I had, you'd have like three plants, three corn plants in a row look perfectly fine. You know, yep. B2, B3. The next four burnt right to the ground. You know, four yep. next to that, three next to that looked perfectly. If it was just, it wasn't like the whole field went down. It was just like it was so spread throughout the field. Well, now you're two leaf collars behind. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the corn that wasn't affected. That can be the same thing as having, um, you know, uneven emergence as far as looking at corn ear size and stuff like that. I feel very confident it is not. So last okay. year, I, I had this crazy idea where everybody's talking about, oh, the emergence has to be even. And I said, well, how about this? How about if 
we let the plants come up just barely. I mean, not not much out of the ground. So before any shading effect would happen, and we mow them all off so they're the exact same height. So yes, the one might be at V3 and the other at V2, but now they're all exactly the same height. So theoretically, they should all get the same amount of sun. And my my hope was that, well, theoretically, they should all now be the same yield. Well, that didn't pan out. So we still saw the almost the exact same difference we would see if we wouldn't have cut those plants off. So okay. the reverse here is, I mean, you've got two plants side by side that are V3. One got knocked down, got dropped some leaves off, whatever. So now it might look like a V1 or V2 plant. I'm hopeful that this isn't going to make any difference for you just by basically the reverse of what we studied last year. So I think you're okay. going to be fine. And I mean, let's face it, quite frankly, there's nothing much you can do about it at this point. And we do know, too, that frost damage at that stage is usually not very harmful. What we have seen in the past, though, is it might delay emergence just slightly. Now, that's going to okay. this year be offset by the fact that we got a warmer than normal year. So, I mean, I'm not worried that, oh, you're going to have ridiculously wet corn this fall or anything. Usually for us, it's made a difference of maybe a couple points of moisture in the fall. So no big okay. deal, nothing to worry about, doesn't typically hurt yield. Perfect. Well, thank you guys very much. I look forward to seeing you next month. You bet. Sounds great. Thanks, Warren. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Let's head up to North Dakota. we got Pat with us right now. Pat, how are you doing? Good, good. So, what's uh, happening on your farm this week? Summer rain. We 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 got a we got a shot of rain this morning, which was awesome, uh, drastically needed. So that was kind of nice. Yeah, we're talking to you on the right day, then that's for sure. Okay, so you got a little bit of rain. How long is that going to keep you out of fields? A, a day? Oh, well, I'd I'd say a day. If the sun come out, the wind blew a little bit, we probably could go back and do some more spraying. Maybe tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. I would guess. Well, that crop's been hanging on for a while, waiting for that rain today. How, how do things look today now, driving around just a little bit? Well, for the most part, uh, the wheat crop really looks fairly tough. Um, you know, we just have really struggled for moisture really since last fall or last summer. We've been kind of dry. We're kind of in the center of that uh, worst extreme drought area in North Dakota. And uh, so everything come up pretty spotty. In my years of farming, I've never seen it come up that spotty before. And uh, soybean ground, anything planted on soybean ground was probably the worst. And uh, now we went where we seeded soybeans and canola in uh, standing wheat stubble. They actually emerged as good as I've ever seen it. So if we can get some rain, I think the canola and the soybeans have some pretty good potential yet. Brian was just talking about how important those agronomic practices are. It's it, it's a lot of lessons going forward from this year's crop, no doubt about it, especially in some of these extreme areas like where Pat's farming up in North Dakota. Thanks for the call today, Pat. Glad to hear that you got that rain. Hopefully it keeps coming. Well, hopefully it keeps coming. Thank you much. You bet. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. 
enlist.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point soil warrior edge from environmental tillage systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. And that same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip-till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We really appreciate you joining us. If you have an agronomic situation going on on your farm, if you just want to talk about how your crop looks, or if you just want to chat with us a little bit, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You get our friend Tony Wendler down in Iowa on right now. He's with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, you have had a busy year. How are you doing? I have had a very busy year. The uh, lots of activities and uh, a bit of a distraction. Uh, I'm I'm going to digress from a normal topic, but it's important for all of us farmers. If I could, for I'll just be as quick as I can. And I know this is important to you because a couple of years ago, you guys lost a, a friend and a colleague, and uh, you were having uh, testing out there at the field day when I was there uh, two years ago. Uh, back a little over a month ago. I had been going for a couple of weeks, experienced what I thought was acid reflux, had kind of like a pill caught in my, uh, felt like I had a pill stuck in my esophagus all the time and kind of irritating. And after going on for a couple of weeks and just doing normal things, 
I went in and uh, thought I'd have somebody check. The uh, physician looks at my record and says, gosh, with uh, your cholesterol and the way your weight and everything else, you've got a 9.6% chance of having a heart attack. So, uh, you know, let's just pull some blood just in case, but uh, we're going to treat you for uh, acid reflux. They pulled blood, and uh, next thing you know, they're meeting me with a chair and uh, taking me to the ER. Uh, two hours later, I had a stent in my heart. The, wow. uh, the whole thing, they were more, what bothered me the most is those people act more scared than I was. I was walking around and just kind of thought, gosh, it's just uncomfortable. But uh, the big message is for all of us out there, and you know, a lot of us are physical enough that maybe you just move through it and you don't think about it, but uh, I think we all need to kind of rethink what we got going on. If we've got some discomforts or something, we probably need to get them checked out because we're all not as, we're not as young as we used to be, and I probably am paying the price for being younger, and my favorite food was a uh, bacon grease burger. And... Uh, <laughs> So I'm, uh, as the, uh, the one, uh, cardiologist said, said, yep, uh, you're paying for what you did years back. And, uh, so. Yeah, that can sure happen. Anyway. That can sure happen. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to, glad to hear you're doing okay, Tony. I know it's, it, you hear these kind of stories though, quite often. If you just listen to people that you got to get checked up on and you got to, you got to talk about it. When something feels a little different, there's a reason why. Hey, Tony, I wanted yeah, to ask you, when I, when I saw your name pop up, I got thinking about this spring. And as I've been out digging in fields, I see a huge difference with closing systems uh, across farms. Guys that were trying different systems out, uh, I see a huge difference in how that root system developed and the evenness of emergence. What did you see out there this year? Oh, there's there's huge variations. The, uh, you know, one of the components where I'm at here, one of it's just kind of squeezing the dry dirt together. And, uh, you know, you're getting it, uh, firmed up and, you know, maybe planting deep enough to hit moisture. But, uh, a lot of the systems with, the some of the variable conditions we're getting were, were failing, leaving air system, air spaces. Uh, perhaps people weren't looking at the down pressure on the uh, closing wheel arm adequately and squeezing all the air out. And I've, uh, I've said it before in the past that a, an important thing is to get off that seat and go back and dig in every field. Every, if the soil conditions change, you got to go back there and are you squeezing all the air out of that space and squeezing it together? One of the things, you know, we've, uh, we went out and did some digging. We compared uh, our germinators with uh, some of the other uh, closing wheel systems out there. Um, had one that was a, uh, a very big competitor i would have to say they're the number one and uh both of us were putting the seed to soil contact together but one of the things that uh with our closing wheel system in the shoulder we were generating a firmness around the seed that the other system wasn't doing and i think that firmness is is a a nice nice component to, to strive for uh that makes uh you get that good seed to soil contact there is no airspace left and uh, those seeds come out of the rope, out of the ground perfectly. You know, and when we so, didn't catch the rain after planting, Tony, I've had so many farms I've visited where we've talked to the farmer and they've said, you know, if we just would have got an inch of rain within the first month after planting, it would have probably covered up some of our mistakes here. But a lot of guys didn't get it. And and now you see those things. And, you know, shame on us if we don't adjust and, and make some changes 
going forward to next year. Uh, one other question that we've gotten for you, Tony, and, and sometimes we'll get questions. Hey, if Tony's back on, ask him about this. What are you seeing in these grain bins with some of this extreme heat that we've had? And for some of the guys who are still holding on to grain, which I realize there aren't that many anymore because the prices have been good, but what are you recommending at this point? Well, the, just a, a quick thing, and this was a call to me recently from an individual with one of our systems. Uh, he was seeing variation between the uh, the sidewalls and the lower part and the center. And what was taking place is, uh, where I need to go next is, he was actually getting moisture migration and temperature variation. Uh, his uh, top and his south sides were heating, and we talked a little bit with this, uh, especially right now, you've got the sun, and we've had all these 90-degree temperatures where we're at sun beating on that it's going to heat that sidewall and it's going to drive moisture in and this is where you get that rot layer that's in you know six inches a foot from the south wall you'll see that whole crust along there as you empty the bin out the uh, that moisture is being driven off what people need to do and i'm uh, if i've got corn in the summer very religiously at least once a month and with these temperatures probably more frequently You've got to go out there and run those fans and break up the convection. The other component to that is, when are you going to do it? Because I sure don't want to blow a bunch of 90-degree air into in my grain. You end up looking at night. One of the things that's nice about that at night is we've got higher humidities. Uh, you don't want to blow uh, humidity lower than 68. We don't have it during the days right now. Lower right. than 68 into your bins because you're going to dry that first grain down below uh, 15%, the stuff at the bottom. That's why you have dry green at the bottom. You run your fans when the humidity is too low. So uh, it's like I told this individual, I said, uh, you need to run your fans. You need to uh, be run them at night. Uh, look at uh, the rule of thumb is within 10 degrees of the average temp. And I don't know if I want to say the average temp right now is 80. I, <laughs> no. I, I, I really would like to I always try to look at my summer bins at being 65, 68 is where I like to think them. Uh, so you're running these things at night to get cool air with a little more humidity in. And uh, if you're if you got automation, it makes it easy. You set the temperature, set the humidity. When it hits it, it's going to run the fans. If you don't, then uh, you got to go out there and uh, do it yourself. Yeah, it's a big, big deal. And I know a lot of livestock producers that they're – kind of forced to, to hold corn through the summer for feed, they're they're putting automatic bin fan controls on. It's a big, big deal. We're talking with Tony Wendler here with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Glad to hear your health is good, and, uh, and good luck here the rest of the summer. Thanks. You guys have a great day. Thank yeah, you. You Bye. too. Ooh, we're running out of time in this segment real fast here, but I got Kevin on who's holding here from Colorado, so we'll get him right on. Kevin, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks. You know, you guys were super dry too, but thank goodness you got some moisture here early in the season. Are you still holding out pretty good? Yeah, we're still holding out fine. Um, everything's still looking good. Of course, we've had the the heat, which it's not that unusual. It's turned the turned the wheat pretty fast on us. Maybe a little bit faster than it wanted to turn, but uh, we're we're hanging in there pretty good. We got a shot of rain last night and missed most of the hail, so uh, we'll take it. Yeah, the hail has been something. I've seen some pictures uh, across Nebraska, too. It's it's not pretty. Uh, we just had um, a guest on yesterday from Colorado talking about some of the bug problems. Uh, they, heard, they said corn rootworms were really prevalent this year. What are you seeing out there? 
Uh, I really, you know, we haven't gotten any, our crop scouter hasn't really reported back much. I think we had a few trace uh, spider mites, nothing at kind of a treatment level yet. Uh, we've managed to, to stay pretty free from that. Of course, all of our, or most all of our corn on corn was smart stacks, so that's helped some with uh, some rootworm issues. Absolutely, and, yeah. Uh, having that trade in there has been kind of a game changer for for corn producers, no doubt about that. Uh, hey, Kevin, we gotta we gotta head to break. You can hang out if you want to talk a little bit more. We'll be right back after this. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's a Farmer Friday. That means right here in the Morton studio, we're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head up to North Dakota. Got Josh on with us right now. Josh, how are you doing? Good. How about you? 
pretty good. Did you catch this shower that's heading through there? Uh, you know, it's the first, well, nice rain we've had since uh, uh, almost an entire year ago. Wow. Wow, that is something. That is something. Well, was, okay. I think the last one was July of last year. We had a nice rain, and that was about it. Oh, boy. Well, okay, talk we, to us. We did we, oh, I was going to say, we did catch about three inches a week ago, but it came down very fast, so I don't think much of it soaked in. Right, right. All right, well, how is the crop doing then? Do you have some crops that are still hanging on, waiting for it? So the beans look okay. Um, the wheat looks terrible <laughs> really bad it it's all everybody's wheat is stagey unless it happened to be on preventative plant ground from last year sure um like i've got fields that are 70 percent headed and 30 percent maybe five leaf oh boy so, yeah. yeah yeah and yep. then i've got some that are 30 percent the other way so <laughs> yeah there's definitely we, uh, so I, I, oof, definitely some tough looking I tried, wheat I tried to seed it, you know, down into the moisture with wheat, and they're just, you'd check and you'd check and you'd find it in dry wheat or dry down and dry dirt and wet dirt. And, I mean, you just, we tried our best. And when you when you don't get rain to fix your mistakes, you know, I mean, we, we couldn't go much deeper. I, I had spots the air drill wouldn't even go in two inches. It would just sit and chatter. It was so dry. So... Wow, that's the same language my dad used to use. Rain fixes a lot of our mistakes on the farm, I and mean, when you don't get it, you're right. It's a it's a humbling thing when you start learning that some of the things that you do out there, some different tillage passes, some rotational changes, those kinds of things make a big difference. What did you notice with yep. uh, tillage differences, rotation things you mentioned coming out of prevent plant? That stuff looked okay. Yeah. So you know, like when people used to summer fall years ago. There was moisture from last year that wasn't used. So PP ground looks pretty good. But when we got three inches of rain, if you didn't have a cover crop on it, the soil also moved with it. So that wasn't a real great thing there either. Yep. But, um, um, you know, traditionally we are very, very, very wet. I mean, we came out of 2019 where we had lots and lots and lots of moisture. So, you know, we're... I guess can probably mostly conventional till around here. So everybody chisel plows their ground and, you know, knowing now we probably wouldn't have done that. So. Yeah. 2020 hindsight it, is always good. <laughs> right. We, we have right? the same thing here. Uh, knowing what we know now, what, what we would go back a couple months and change. <laughs> yep. We probably wouldn't have put so much fertilizer on this year, knowing what the crop looks like right now either, but, uh, I guess it is. Uh, it is uh, definitely a different one this year. But Josh, so the don't, beans. Uh, the beans went on. I was just going to say, right. Josh, don't be sad that you put a bunch of fertilizer on. You bought it cheap, so fertilizer's like double this, what it was last true. fall. So yeah, <laughs> you just never know. Sometimes things work out. Our dad always talked to us about 1976, and he said, you know, it was just terrible. There were they used to use a lot of dry herbicides back then, and so like dry lasso granules or ramrod granules. He said they put them out in the spring. They could still find some of them in the fall. That's how dry it was. He'd, oh, wow. he'd, he'd talk about how we had less rain in the Mojave Desert that summer. And just that, yeah, 76 was terrible, but then the price went up. And then in 1977, because they had all this 
fertilizer that breaks down in the soil. This, the organic matter releases fertility for the next year. And, and he said, we actually didn't have to really fertilize much or anything, but we planted corn on corn, beans on beans, wheat on wheat, because we were worried about herbicide carryover in all of those crops. But he said 1977 made up for it. We had a fantastic crop. And he said, actually, our two-year average was not that bad. And the price is pretty decent. Oh, wow. So you just never know how it's going to pan out. Got to hope for the best. Yep. I'm, you know, I'm not all that bothered uh, about it right now. Our, our beans do look really good. You know, we, I was trying to, de- to determine why the wheat looks so bad on the bean ground. And then the beans look good on the wheat ground. Well, the wheat's done an entire month earlier. It used so much less moisture than right. the, uh, the beans did last year. There was actually moisture to start. Yep. You're exactly so, right. Yep. So we might have might have issues with the wheat, but the beans will maybe make up for it. <laughs> if we're into journal optimists, we're definitely going to not be in the right, right business. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Hey, Josh, it's been great talking to you. Thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate it. Yep. You guys have a good day, too. Thanks. You, too. Let's head out to Pennsylvania. we got Kevin with us right now. Kevin, how are things looking out there? Hey, good, Darren. Not, not bad at all. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Still hopeful we're going to get some rain soon. What are conditions <laughs> like there? Yeah, so uh, much better than last year. Last year we were already heading towards a drought here in Pennsylvania and, you know, a lot of the country, I'm sure. So right now we've had quite a bit of rain. Um, We get at least one to two showers a week, and uh, corn and beans are up, doing well. Um, We did get a late start. I think most of us, we had a, um, we we, typically around here we try to start first week of May, and uh, we had had some rain going into, we had a big Mother's Day rain, and uh Set us back a little bit. Hey, we're we're doing good now. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, what uh, what are you working on out in the fields right now? So actually, I just brought my sprayer back in from the fields. I'm cleaning out. That's <laughs> what I'm doing today. Um, had to clean up a little bit. Uh, uh, so it looked like some fall grasses coming up, things of that nature, and uh, you know, just shoot some Roundup in it, stuff like that. Um, and that's it right now. So uh, we'll start. Uh, Actually, we did start a little bit of top dressing. That's how I apply my nitrogen to my corn, and uh, probably finish up with that next week. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. Did you have any issue with with insects or slugs or anything this season so far? Yeah, that's funny you say that. I uh, did have some slugs in our corn. Um, say about two weeks ago, I noticed. And I got down, looked, and like, oh my god, well, wow, they're seeing some of those leaves stripped out. And of course, uh, dig into the ground, and there they are. Um, you know, we had some some good wet days there. I think brought them out, and now we're in a little bit of dry spell. Not not dry, but we got good weather, good sunny, 85 degree weather, and uh, we we weathered that storm. I'm hoping it's behind us. So I don't, you know, I didn't have to replant. Um, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, the slug thing is, uh, <laughs> we haven't had to deal with it much. We occasionally will see a slug, but in our state, a lot of times we're hot enough, dry enough, we don't have a big problem. Unless, unless it's no-till and a heavy early canopy, we'll see more of a challenge there. But fortunately, that's one that we haven't haven't had a lot of problem. We're getting the opposite. We're getting spider mites, which we only see when it's really hot and really dry. So I don't know which one is the worst problem to, to wish on yourself. <laughs> They're both bad. <laughs> All right, so you got corn and you got soybeans out there. Both are looking good. Uh, right now, if you had to pick a winner, which would you say has got the best potential? My corn. 
and I'm hoping that that is the leader. I mean, obviously, you know, both prices were pretty good there nationally uh, going into what late winter, early spring. Um, but yeah, gosh, what were we seeing around $15 beans? That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, haven't yeah. seen that uh, maybe ever. I don't know. Not, not, not since I started. And uh, so, but the corn is looking good. Uh, we're getting that top dressing going, feeding it a little bit. I think, uh, you know, if we can see that $6 corn, maybe edging towards seven, I'm going to be pretty darn happy in the fall. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Well, you're right though. You can't really go wrong with either one the way prices have been and and when you hear a lot of the country struggling too and you, you have a decent crop coming, you got an opportunity to win, that's for sure. Uh hey Kevin, good talking to you. Hopefully the good weather continues for you and and the crop turns out as good as you're hoping and we talk to you again down the road. Absolutely. Thanks guys and have a good weekend. You bet. Thanks. Brian, I got a question from Reggie, and he said, a lot of talk about Zyway. I know you guys used some last year. I'm wondering if it paid, if you saw a yield bump and a return on investment. Reggie's from Ohio. Uh, last year we didn't because, I, I. well, let's face it, a lot of things didn't work last year for us because we got our last decent rain July 6th, and we were done. We were thinking, oh, we're going to have the best crop ever. Everything is looking fantastic. And then it just ended. So the normal diseases that would show up for us in July and August never showed up. And that's basically what we attribute it to. I, I will say, though, we only did it in one field, just in like one strip. So... And it, it wasn't the best feel, wasn't the best conditions. We're doing more this year, so we'll find out this year. We we have seen a lot of times where it does pay for guys. It's just on our farm in the one trial last year, it didn't. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. Agbiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees, too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. 
Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, but the emails keep coming at radio at agphd.com. So let's dive into some of those. All right, Brian, uh, get a couple of them. First of all, this one's from John over in Minnesota. He said, wondering about nitrate poisoning in hay and what kind of risk there is. I've heard when it gets dry, there can be some nitrate poisoning that, that get in the hay that gets cut and fed to cattle. Yeah, okay. So I'm I'm no big expert on this, but I probably will be by fall because there's an enormous area in the United States and in southern Canada right now that's being impacted by this dry weather. But what I can tell you and what I know people have done in our area in the past is basically just cut their silage extra high uh, and then certainly tried to blend things off as much as they could. But you need to do some testing. That gets to be one of the biggest things. So when it does get to fall, and hopefully we have rain between now and then, and yields turn out okay, which means that nitrate usage turns out okay. But, I mean, let's face it, for all of us as farmers going into the year, we were thinking, oh boy, the price is pretty good. Um, let's try to push it a little bit. And so <laughs> even this summer, I have seen people still side dressing nitrogen here just in the last few days, side dressing or top dressing, and they haven't had rain in two months, but they're still optimistic that they're going to get rain that, you know, because the price is good, they're still going to turn out good financially, but that could potentially be adding to our problem of having a whole bunch of high nitrate forage. But yeah, I mean, usually it's cutting it up higher. So typically the nitrate accumulates lower in the plant in a lot of these grass crops like corn we're talking about. And then we don't seem to see this same kind of nitrate issue with some of the different legume crops out there. But yeah, those are just our our first general statements. We'll be talking more about this, I'm sure, before fall. Thanks for the question, John. Uh, another one that came from Minnesota, huh? A lot, of, a lot of stuff comes where you're getting stressful weather. This one comes from Mike. I'm not sure if this is weather-related or not. He said, we're seeing a lot of cupping on the new growth on soybeans in the area. Seems to be in all traits this year. Yep. Just wondering if it's not dicamba, what are some of the other things that it could potentially be? Oh, boy. There are a lot of things that could potentially be. I will just say I have seen more salt damage this year than I have seen in a really long time. And that has to do with the dry weather. That means manure, 
um, excess fertilizer, whether it was infurro, two by two, broadcast, anything. Because don't forget, fertilizer is salt. It literally is salt when you apply it. So when you've got that in excess, even in a spot, that can be problematic. And also it can be, let's say, a little spotty across the field. If a plant happens to hit excess fertility, it's got excess salt, it has no moisture, that's a real problem. So beyond that, I look at drought, heat, herbicide carryover, spray adjuvants, bugs, diseases, compaction. Um, I mean, all those things can cause issues with, or can cause cupping. So yeah, I, I I don't know what to tell you for sure it's going to be because in every situation it certainly could be different. But I, in fact, was just talking to a guy this morning who was worried about, okay, well, what do you think this is out in the field? And I, he said, well, it kind of goes out from the road and then it kind of goes in a little bit. And I said, well, that sure sounds like drift to me. And he goes, well, how about over the whole field then? I mean, the rest of the field, yeah, it looks much, much better, but it still doesn't look great. And I said, well, you know, last year you used a little bit of stinger. That could have carried over. It could have been fertilizer and salt. Uh, I mean, it could be a number of different things. It's just so hard. If we just would have had even halfway's normal rainfall, I don't think you'd see near the issues that you're seeing right now. Plus, plants would recover more quickly if they had more moisture. So, yeah, I think we just have to chalk it up to it's a tough year. And we also have to always think about... Uh, do we want to prepare ourselves for drought or do we not? And what I mean by that is when you think about how much fertilizer gets used in furrow for a lot on a lot of farms, we see what we feel are very high rates for drought years. Now on wet years or even normal moisture years, it's fine. But you start putting 5, 8, 10 gallons of 1034 in furrow just as an example. Okay, this is just one of the things. But when you do that, I'll promise you, you're going to have some issues in a dry spring. That that it's too much salt in a 30-inch row. So, you know, you, you, like I say, it's it's a personal choice. Every farmer's got to make that decision. But we can't just go by. Well, it's always been fine before. Well, of course it has because we haven't been dry. We haven't been dry really since 20 the spring of 2012 or 2013. Well, we're dry now and we're seeing some of these issues. So that those are just some of the causes that we're seeing out there. All right, thanks for the question, Mike. Uh, this one comes from another Mike, except he's in Michigan. He said, we caught some hail with mild to even some severe damage in some areas. The corn was at V6 to V8 when this happened. It happened along with two inches of rain. So when we get back in the field, we're going to spray some fungicide because we had hail back in 2015 and it really helped us. Uh, but the corn was a little further along. It was at tasseling time in 2015 when we got the hail. Do you think the fungicide will still help us at the V6 to V8 stage? And would you consider adding gibberellic acid in there to try to get some more growth? It's funny about that gibberellic acid thing. I just had that question from a farmer yesterday, as a matter of fact. It was the end of the day, and, and this guy goes, Hey, you guys talk about this gibberellic acid. Do you think it helped me right now? And I said, No. What gibberellic acid helps is it okay so in all plants they can create gibberellic acid and basically the more they have the more elongation of the stem there will be so to put it very simply you'll get a taller plant okay the plant naturally produces more gibberellic acid when it's hot <laughs> well it's hot it's plenty hot right now do we really need to push that even more 
Uh, is the plant not producing gibberellic acid now? I don't, I don't really see that as being the issue today. So what we talk about for gibberellic acid is spraying in the spring or in the fall. So that's, that's when I would do it. Like fall, where I'm talking pastures now. In the spring, you could do it for, let's say, corn silage if you want more tonnage, or you could do it on pasture if you want more tonnage. Now, to answer the question on the fungicide, would I spray fungicide at V6 to V8? Yeah, I probably would. Will you see a difference? Yes, you will. You'll have a little bit better standability, and you'll see it visually on the plant. It'll look better. Now, unfortunately, that doesn't always lead to yield. You've said you've had um, good luck in the past, but it's been a little bit later. I don't care when that hail comes. You can get impact uh, from that fungicide, positive impact from that fungicide. But just remember, fungicides only last in the plant about three weeks or so. You can get some plant health benefits out of the strobes. You can get some disease control, a little bit out of the strobes, and a lot out of the trizols or the SDHIs. So I, I'm just trying to say we don't know what's going to happen over the course of the next three weeks. We know that there will be more disease that will enter into the plant anytime it's damaged. So your odds are good, and I, I can almost guarantee you you'll see some difference in the plant. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to positively impact your your bottom line but if it's me with five dollar corn am i trying it you bet i am all right thanks for the question appreciate that uh get this one from howard down in the mississippi delta he said we had a great stand plenty of fertilizer everything was going well until pollination it got very cool here stayed overcast and we had four inches of rain during that week and looking at the ears now, we've got 14 to 16 kernels around, 35 to 40 kernels long, but it appears about 20 or 25 kernels on the ear are missing. Yep. I'm wondering what happened. Also wondering if the kernels that are outside the missing kernels will help fill in that blank spot. Not much. You're, 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 you've lost some yield. So it's poor pollination, and this is one of the reasons there are more people at feels like to me all the time who are putting multiple multiple varieties in each field because now you're at least spreading that risk a little bit there's going to be more pollen shed uh, floating around a little bit longer and hopefully that makes a difference so that's what we would encourage you to do like in our area there's so much corn that's planted around us i'm not too worried if i don't have multiple varieties because chances are my neighbors on four sides Two or three of them have different varieties, so I'm probably good anyway. But yeah, that would be something for you to think about is plant two or three different varieties in every field, and that'll spread that risk just a little bit. All right, thanks for the question. All right, best picture of the day award goes to Dan in Indiana. He said, I came in from bush hogging, was watching a couple of your YouTube posts during lunch, and I thought you'd like to see this picture of my seven-month-old. He's sitting back, holding his feet. Watching little ag PhD. Hey Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate that picture. It's it's uh, really nice to see uh, a fun one like that, especially with a smiling little guy uh, checking out our show. Really appreciate the support. Had a fun time on Farmer Friday. Of course, you can always send your agronomic questions to us. Radio at agphd.com. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag PhD radio.